heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Well, good morning, Colonial Woods. How are we doing this morning? Good. It's good to see here you here this morning. Uh, Pastor Phil's away on a retreat this weekend, and uh, he actually texted me right before I came up here um, with a. He said, "He said, Dan, this is how you should open." And he had a joke for you, and so it's a Pastor Phil joke. So we'll see what happens. But he goes, "What did the police officer uh, say to his belly button? You're under a vest. Get it? Yeah." <laughs> That's what I felt too when I read it, but I just want to honor him and uh, I won't tell it in the third service, so, um, but there you go. But we've been in a series um, called In the Beginning and we've been taking this journey uh, through Genesis. It's been pretty neat to, to hear how, how God is powerful and how he spoke things into creation. We talked about his purpose for humanity and how we are uniquely made the way he designed us to be made. Last week, he talked about the voices we hear and how we respond to those voices. And, and today, what I'd like to talk about um, as we continue this journey is a battle that's going on, a battle for your heart. Um, um, so to speak. And, and we're going to be in Genesis uh, chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there as we're going to continue the, this walk through Genesis and, and through the beginning of what was God laid out for us. Um, so I've got three kids. For those of you who don't know, a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 6-year-old. And uh, my first two are girls. And what we've learned is a 6-year-old boy is way different than girls um, at any level. And so those of you who have boys, you might understand this. They move around. They do all these different things. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, and so there's different phases that they're in. Right now, uh, Wilson is in love with dinosaurs. And so uh, he tends to even try and act like a dinosaur as he's walking through the house. And so he puts his little arms here, right? And he kind of pounces on his leg and he walks around. You know, and he's like walking, that, that's his thing. And we're like, Wilson, seriously, calm down. And so, but he's walking around like a dinosaur. Um, Legos, Legos are big right now. And um, if you are a parent who has kids with Legos, you understand that Legos are from the devil. Um, they're, they're great to build, right? So I love building with my son. This For Christmas, he got a couple thousand piece Lego sets that like put together. And I love that part. The problem is the loose Legos, right? Like they get on the floor and then you don't see them until you step on them and then you say bad things after that happens, right? Like, like it, it just hurts, right? And so, so we're in the Lego phase. But, but my, my little guy, he's been struggling at school. And so he, it's, we're in a season right now that he is just, it's, it's, it is a struggle when he gets there. And it's not because he doesn't like school. He's actually very intelligent um, and, and all these different things. But he's in a place where he gets frustrated very easily. Emotionally, when he goes, he goes like one, two, ten. Like it's just right there. It, there's no middle ground. And so when he gets to that place, he kind of acts out and uses his fists to, instead of words. And so that's where he's at. And especially when there's this, this other boy around. 
around and they don't get along. And we're going to call him Johnny. And so when Johnny and Wilson kind of have these interactions, there's usually fireworks happen. And so last fall, this kind of came to a place where um, we got a call from the school and the school said, hey, Wilson and Johnny, they kind of had an, an incident. And so we want you to be aware of this. And, um, and so they got in a little bit of a fight. And so we, we talked to both of them. We had a conversation, but we want to make you aware of this when he gets home. So Wilson comes home and he's sitting here and I'm asking him as a good dad does, Wilson, what happened today? And so Wilson is, I'm on the couch. Wilson's standing in front of me, looking at me. My wife is behind Wilson on a chair, can't see his face and everything. And he, and she, and, uh, he can't see her. So I say, Wilson, what happened? And he goes, well, dad, um, Johnny came over and uh, I was playing with my friends. And I said, who are your friends? And he's like, Elizabeth, Sarah, uh, Emily. I'm like, my son's a ladies' man. Uh, like, that's all of his friends. And, um, and so Johnny comes over, and Johnny apparently said something mean to him and his friends. And so Wilson, defending the honor of all these ladies, apparently, decides to hit Johnny. And so hits Johnny. And I said, well, Wilson, what did Johnny do? And he goes, he hit me back. And I said, okay, Wilson, what'd you do? He goes, I hit him back. And I, and I said, so what he do? He hit me back. And then he looked at me so intensely. He goes, Dad, it was a battle. <laughs> and I'm like, so what happened? Like, he goes, well, I hit him one more time. And he cried and he ran away. And I'm sitting here going as a dad, like, okay, wh- where's the teachers? Like, where's, wh- where's this happening, right? Like, how's this? And I said, so what, what went on? Where, he goes, well, we finished recess and we end up getting back in line and it ended up being me in front and re- uh, the Johnny person was behind me. And so Johnny, as he's there, and it's like, I go, what happened? He goes, well, Johnny hit me in the back of the head and then he hit me in the back. And I said, well, what did you do? He goes, I cried and then I hit him in the eye. And at that point, apparently, the teachers and the principal saw this and take him in here. And so I'm sitting there, like, trying to process all this. My wife is over there. I don't know what she was doing, but I see her on her phone. I'm like, what, is she tweeting this? Like, is it like is it Instagram? Post? And so all of a sudden, I get a text to my watch, and it's my wife. And I look down, and I read, all I heard was my son won the battle. <laughs> and... Uh, and, so, and, and she was joking, right? We don't condone violence in our house. And there was this big conversation with Wilson on all this stuff, on how we interact and what we do and, and, and the appropriate way to express our emotions, express our anger. But can I tell you something? That's how I feel sometimes, how Wilson described that battle that he had. I kind of feel that's how it is in life sometimes. I feel that we sit there and things come to at us and things happen and we're sitting there and we punch and it punches us back and we punch and it punches us back and one of us walks away crying, right? And I feel that's kind of how it is. And as we look through scripture, you can see countless times that that happens through scripture, that people are going at it and figuring out. And there's, there's probably not a bigger story of a battle between two brothers, especially, than there is of Cain and Abel, right? If you grew up in the church, you know the story of Cain and Abel, and that's what we're going to look at today. Because these two guys, they, they, they were in this battle, but I'm going to tell you that I personally believe there was a bigger battle going on. The battle for the heart of, of Cain especially that God and Satan were fighting after. And I, I believe that they were slugging it out and trying to figure this out. And so if you have your Bibles in Genesis chapter 4, I want to read this. I want to take a look at, at what kind of went on. Starting in verse 1. Adam made love to his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. 
She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother, Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now we're gonna stop there and I wanna look at a couple things. The first thing I want you to notice in this story, which mostly, once again, if you've grown up in the church, you probably heard this. If you didn't grow up in the church, you know, that, like you've heard these names, Cain and Abel, you know, the first sons of Adam and Eve that goes on. And, and I want you to look first at, at their occupation. And it's one of those things that we typically know, like uh, they were farmers, right? Now I don't know much about farming. I didn't grow up on a farm, so I don't, I don't know this, but there's a couple things. So all you farmers out there can tell me what I'm talking about wrong. But there's two things that they talk about about this it says now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil it tells us very explicitly that they were two different types of farmers this is important okay when it's in scripture it's important so we want to look at what were they so Cain he was a farmer of the land he was a farmer of the land fruits vegetables anything that he had to do the soil and, and that meant a couple different things for him as he as, as he was farming the land it meant he probably had to be close by to his crops at all times he had to be able to do what he needed to and, and till up the land. And if you remember, they didn't have combines and tractors back then, okay? And so that's key for us to remember. There's animals that would pull the stuff if they had built the materials to do that. Most of this was done manual labor, the sweat of his back, everything was going on. He probably from sunup to sundown had to get everything taken care of to make sure that this crops were harvested, that they did what they were supposed to be able to do. And then it says about Abel that Abel was, was a, 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 did the flocks. He was a herder, which means he took care of the animals. Still an important job in farming. Still you had to have what was going on, but he, he, he took care of those things. But there's a lot more freedom in that because you kind of went where the animals went, where they were herding back then. And maybe they built some pens, who knows, but they kind of went where they were going on. There's a little bit more freedom as far as what's going on. Still a lot of work, but there's a freedom that came when doing the animals and doing all that type of stuff. So you have these two brothers, two different type of farmers, two different types of things, but I gotta tell you, as I look at Cain and Abel, I gotta think that Cain is starting to sit here and go, okay, I think I got the short end of the stick. My, I, I'm up doing all this different stuff and my brother can move around, he can do a lot more things, he's going where the animals are, a lot more freedom. Yeah, he had to feed them and all this stuff, but they kind of went, the food was grass and all the other stuff. I, I'm stuck sitting here, the sweat of my brow, doing all this different stuff. And then, on top of it, I'm supposed to give an offering back to God. And so I'm doing all the fruits of my labor, all the manual labor, and then you want me to give something back? Really? And I got to think that Cain's starting to ask a few questions here. Why? Why do I have to do that? Why does my brother get a little bit more freedom than me? 
Isn't the sweat of my brow good enough for God? And I think in all this stuff, he starts having this, and this is speculation, but, but it escalated quickly, right? Like it went from, hey, offering, uh, kill. There had to be stuff going on that I believe Cain started getting jealous of his brother. And he started looking at him going, I want what he want, has. I want to do what he, and, and he goes in and he does all this stuff. I understand a little bit about this. I have a brother. He's two years younger than I am. He is a computer geek, as I like to call him. Um, he's in IT and he does all this stuff. He makes five times more money than I do. I work for the Lord. Come on. Actually, this is, this is backwards. And I, and I get some of that jealousy. I see that, right? We've had those things like, he just plays on the computer all day. I go home and play video games. They don't give me anything. And he does way more than that, but I mean, but that, this is, I get it. Like, you look at that and go, come on. And I think Cain had a little bit of that jealousy that happened in there. Now, you might be sitting here going, you know, Pastor, are you saying that Cain is justified in his actions? No, but I understand it. Cain kind of gets a bad rap sometimes, and he should. He did something wrong we can easily be like Cain. I understand that feeling that he was going through. And you see, what ended up happening is Cain, as I think he started looking at Abel and started looking at all this stuff, he started taking the focus off of God and making it all about him. I deserve this. I didn't get that. I wanted this. I wanted that. And I believe there started this battle that was going on stirring in his heart. That I believe Satan and God are fighting over you and me and our soul. And he does whatever. Satan's tactic, his number one tactic is to do anything it is to take your focus off of God. Whatever that is. And I believe here he used an offering he used his brother. He used anything he could that says, hey, have you thought about this? We see him use the same tactic right back in Genesis chapter 3 when he's talking with Adam and Eve. His goal, the enemy's goal, is to take your focus off of God and put it wherever he can put it. And that's what happened here. And he uses these battles that are going on. And I wanna, I wanna look at some of these different battles that's happening because if we're not careful, every single one of us is in a battle and if we're not careful, we're gonna lose. And we have to understand what we're fighting for and who we're fighting against. The, the first battle that I think Satan tried to get us involved in, and you'll see this is a battle with God. There's a battle with God going on, right? In verse three, it says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel brought um, an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor upon Abel and his offering, but with Cain, his offering, he did not look with favor, so Cain was angry. Now here's the deal, as you look at this, I want to, it doesn't have to do, it's not about the offering. That's not the frustration here. It's about the heart issue that came with the offering. You see, it says that Abel brought the fat portions, the first part of the flock, the, the very best of the best. That's what Cain, that's what Abel offered to God. But Cain, but Cain says it just gave him an offering. There's an offering he gave. 
doesn't say it was the best, doesn't say it was the worst, it just says there was an offering. And you're sitting here going, but isn't something better than nothing? Well, those of you parents out there, let me ask you this. Have you ever asked your kid to help you with something? And has your kid ever not wanted to help you with something, but you make them do it anyway? Have you ever experienced this? Where you invite them, I don't care, clean the house, clean the garage, help out somewhere, do this, do that, right? You get about halfway through this and you're going, it would have been better had I not asked them. (laughs) Right? You know what I'm talking about, parents. You're sitting there going, I'm going to have to redo it. I'm starting to fight with them. Like, I should have just done this on my own. Because their heart wasn't in it. They didn't want to do this. Their heart was not there. This was what's going on with Cain. Cain was said he had to give an offering back to God. Cain gave an offering. Okay, I'll do it. I don't know what he gave. He probably found something left over. Here we go. We're not going to use this. Here we go, God. It's good. You're not going to eat it anyway, right? That's what I'd be thinking. You want me to burn it? Whatever. I, I just... so what's the deal? I work for this. I'm not going to give you the best stuff. See, Cain had a heart issue. Not an offering issue, a heart issue. And that, that becomes problematic because now our battle is not with anything, not with Satan, not with what's going on. Our battle is with God because God is asking and we're not wanting to do it. And Satan is probably sitting there going, yeah, well, you know, Cain, really, you deserve this. And God's kind of putting this here. And I got I to believe those, all those things are going through his mind because because that's what would be going through my mind. And I'm a human. And this battle started ensuing between Cain and God. And you see that there where Cain's like, really, what's your deal? And God's like, why are you angry? What's your problem? You see, when that happens, that relationship with God impacts all of our other relationships. And the second battle that I believe that Satan tries to get us in, that second battle is a battle with ourselves. It says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Sin is crouching at your door. And it becomes a battle with ourselves. What are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? Last week, Pastor Phil talked about sin. He used the Greek word hamartia, which is to miss the mark. It's an archery term, like we've talked about this last couple of weeks, where that there is a target that you're trying to aim for. And if you, if you miss it, miss the target, you have sin. You have missed the mark, right? Same term here. It says sin is crouching at your door. And, and the mark that we're going after is the, is the plan that God has for our lives, what he desires for us to, to hit the right things. Not, not to do what he wants exactly because, just, just because. Not to ruin your fun, right? Sin, sin um, Pastor Will talked about being tasting good. It's something that we enjoy, but it's to protect us. God has a plan to protect us. And when we miss that mark, yes, it can still be fun temporarily. Yes, we could enjoy it temporarily, but long-term it will have consequences and effects. And so sin does several different things that we need to know because this is what it is because sin is coming after you. Satan is using sin to entice us. The first thing you need to know is that sin against others usually follows sin against God. That when we are battling God, we tend to battle with other people. 
when you are struggling with other people, it's probably because there's a God issue that you're struggling with too. It's usually, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but that is something that happens, that sin against others, um, struggles with others tend to follow our struggles and sin against God. The second thing about sin is internal sins are deadlier than you think. So often we fall into this trap that as long as I don't think sin is involving other people, it's not a big deal. If I sit alone on my phone or my computer and look at images I'm not supposed to, really what does that affect anybody else? If I lie about this to someone else, I mean, it really doesn't affect them to my boss. I tell them this, I mean, we'll get it done. It's not going to really affect anybody else. If I cheat about this, really, I'm cheating myself, but no one else. And we start telling ourselves these things and these internal things that are going on inside, they're always deadlier than we think. They always catch up to us and they always tend to implode. That's what Satan's goal is. How can we get you to implode by thinking it's not that big of a deal? The third thing about sin that you need to know about is that sin starts small. Sin that starts small almost always gets bigger. There's a snowball effect. And it keeps going and going and going. We hide our sins. We've got to protect our sin. We can't let anybody else know about our sin. It's internal, so it's about us. So we've got to keep it hidden. And it gets bigger and bigger. And typically we have to do more sin to keep the other sin protected. And the next thing you go is, how did I get here? I think that's where Cain was at. You don't go from, here's a bad offering to, let's kill my brother. It kept moving. There's a process there that we didn't see. Why? Because sin is crouching at your door. It's crouching. It's waiting. Sin is a predator. It's like a lion waiting to pounce. It's a predator waiting to jump on you. That's why James talks about this. He, he tells us, he warns us of this. He says this in James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, right? When sin's coming, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, having stood the test that that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say that God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Here's the key. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You catch that? That there's a process that's, that happens when sin enters. Satan knows that. And he wants that internal battle that comes in. God knows that. So that's why God tells Cain, hey, don't be angry. Don't be angry. That's going to lead to something else. Sin's crouching at your door. Don't let it get there. And then he finishes that verse and says, but you must rule over it. We have to fight against it. Because if we can't, it often leads to the third battle that I think Satan tries to push us into. And that's the battle with others, right? It's a process. 
People just don't get there, poof, I'm a bad person. No, it's a process. Verse 8 says, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Battling with God, battling with ourselves and the sin issues almost always lead to battling with other people. Think about this moment. This is the first murder in history. First one. Cain didn't know what he was doing when it was happening. So it makes you think, how did he get there? He's not imitating it. He's not saying, hey, I saw this somewhere else. This, this was a product of this battle internally and this battle with God that led to this moment. What was he feeling? How was he handling this? Imagine what Adam and Eve were thinking. The scandal that was going on. The effect of this sin that affected the whole world and everything to come, right? It all kept going and building up. And how did Cain handle it? Well, he took a page from his parents' books, right? Verse 9 says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? He tried to blame something else, hide it. Right, we see this. We saw this last week, didn't we? With Adam and Eve. Serpent comes in, does all this stuff. They, they give in to temptation. They have the sin that's crouching at the door. God comes and says, where are you? He says, we were hiding. Why were you hiding? And Adam's response is, because the woman made me eat the fruit. Eve goes, because the serpent made me eat the fruit. And we see the first act of generational sin. Because that's what it does. It starts building and pushing and the battle with other people keeps coming and coming and coming. And church, this, once again, is Satan's battle plan. Take the focus off God and put it anywhere else. And when he does that, he's got you. That's why Peter says this in 1 Peter, it says, be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, right? Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Every single person is going through the suffering. So he says, stand firm, have faith, be sober-minded because the devil's coming for you. Because there's a battle for your heart. And here's this tactic. Here's what you want to do. How does Satan win in battle? He separates you from God and everybody else. He separates you from God and everybody else. That's how he wins. That's what he's trying to do. How do we win? We surround ourselves with God. We surround ourselves with God. We have to. I was talking with a, a friend of mine a couple months ago, and uh, as we were chatting about just different struggles and things that people go through, he, he asked, hey, when you go through that, have you ever prayed on the armor of God? 
And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know the armor of God. I'm like, yeah, I know the armor of God, right? If you go to church, you know the armor of God. You probably memorize the passage and the, you know, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, right? I know the armor of God, but what do you mean pray on the armor of God? Says exactly what I said. If you're going to battle with the enemy and you're going to go into all these different things and you're struggling, have you prayed that God would put the helmet of salvation on you? That you would carry the belt of truth and the shield of faith? He says, if you're going to war, don't you suit up? Don't you make sure you're ready? And I go, I had never thought about that before. I had never thought, like, you know it, right? That makes sense, but have you, he goes, no. He goes, before you preach, do you, do you put on the armor of God? Because Satan's gonna attack. Because before you're dealing with stuff at home, when you're, when you're arguing with your wife, have you prayed on the armor of God? Not to do battle with your wife, but because Satan's trying to get in there, right? Some of you are like, oh, armor of God with my spouse. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and I started going, wow, that's powerful stuff. That if we're in a battle, are we wearing the armor that God has given us? Ephesians 6 says it. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, all to stand firm. Get that everything you can. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Shoes for your feet. Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances take up the shield of faith. With which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. We're in a battle. I talked about my son Wilson at the beginning of here, and we're talking about a little bit in jest and the things that are going on. But can I tell you something? We're struggling. Our home is struggling right now with that little guy. He's getting in fights regularly. There's pain coming on. We're talking to him. He knows what he's doing is wrong. But he is struggling. I gotta be honest, we don't know what to do. It's hard. And we've battled with God on this whole thing. Steph and I have asked, maybe we made the wrong decision in adoption. Maybe we weren't the right parents. And we've gone and said, we don't know what to do. It's, it's put a strain on our marriage. Or we start questioning if the other one's doing the right thing as a parent. We start pushing at each other, right? We start battling with, with each other. I'm sure no one in here knows what that's like. And we have just been at a place where we just don't know what to do. I wish I could tell you there's a happy ending that we got to figure, where we got a plan and all this stuff. We don't. We are in the thick of it right now. And I tell you that not, not so you feel bad for me. Sure, I, we'd love prayer, but not for any of that because I want you to know that this is real. Maybe you're going through it with your spouse or at work or maybe with one of your kids. I don't know your battle. But more recently, my wife and I have been challenged to pray on the armor of God 
to say we are going to go through this and understand that Satan is attacking us. Satan is attacking our son. And we just want to help our little guy. We want him to know Jesus, and we want him to be closer to the Lord every day. And that means modeling it even in the hard times. Because there's a battle going on. My question for you guys is how are you going to fight your battle? What battles are you fighting lately? And then how are you going to fight them? There's hope. God tells Cain, sin's crouching at your door. There's a battle coming. But get this, he says, you must rule over it. You know what the hope is? That means we can rule over it. We have the ability to rule over. God would not tell Cain that if it wasn't possible. And so I'm going to tell you something. The enemy is crouching at your door. You are going to face battles, but you have the authority to fight back when sin is pummeling you and Satan's pummeling you and you feel defeated. You have the authority to fight back no matter what your battle is you're facing. but we gotta start the process. We gotta start the process of taking our focus off self and everything else and put it back on God. We have to start fighting Satan by keeping our focus on the King. We gotta put on our armor and fight against Satan and focus on the King. Because here's the deal. You, you may feel that you are surrounded by the enemy. But we are truly surrounded by God when we allow him to fill our life and we put on that armor. And that's how I want to end this service today. Because I believe that the majority of our room are going through some type of battle. And in church, it's time to fight. It's time to put our armor on and it's time to fight the enemy and fight back. I do not know what will happen with my son, but I believe the Lord's got him. He is a child of the King. He is not mine, he is the Lord's. And I'm ready to fight. So I'd like to sing a battle cry. There's a song that Sean's singing. It's called, This is How We Fight Our Battles. So I'd like to close our service today by singing this song. And when we're done singing, I'm gonna come up and I'm gonna pray us out of here. But church, Let's fight. Let's fight. Would you stand as we sing this song to close? Sing. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. How I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how. Yeah. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. it out. Yeah. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yeah.
May we not give up. Lord, in a room this size, there are a lot of battles going on. But Lord, I pray that we can every day put on our armor, come against you, and Lord, we will take down Satan. You will be the victor. Lord, you will be the victor over my son. You'll be the victor over our church, over our marriages, over our workplace. Lord, you will be the victor because we are gonna fight with you and not against you. Lord, that's our cry this morning. This is how I fight. This is how we're gonna fight our battles. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray, amen.